Guitar people, welcome to Have Guitar Will Travel, presented by Vintage Guitar Magazine. With your host, me, James Patrick Regan, otherwise known as Jimmy from the Deadlies, and today I'm speaking with guitarist Dave Brandwine, frontman for the band Turquoise, and guitarist Adrian Ballou. The conversation starts with Dave, and Adrian joins us about a third of the way through. In our conversation, we cover how Turquoise was started with Dave and his bassist Taylor Shell while they were attending Berklee School of Music in Boston. We talk about playing in New York with a large ensemble band and starting touring in 2012. At the time of the interview, there were nine people in the band. We discussed the dynamics of having a band with so many members. We also discussed deciding to play the Talking Heads' iconic 1980 record, Remain in Light, and other Talking Heads songs as the majority of their live show. We talk about the Bottle Rock Festival where they finished their tour with Adrian Ballou and Jerry Harrison from the Talking Heads. We talk about the venues where they've been playing up till now. We talk about how Turquoise hooked up with Jerry Harrison and Adrian Ballou. Jerry producing two original songs for the band. Adrian then joins the conversation and we begin to talk gear. Adrian then gives us his side of the story of how he and Jerry ended up using Turquoise as their backing band. We talk about Adrian's guitar accumulation and his amps. We also talk about the gear Adrian was using way back in 1980 during the original Remain in Light tour. We talk about the original guitar synthesizers and Adrian talks about touring with David Bowie. Then Adrian and Dave talk about future shows for 2022. You can find out more about the band Turquoise at their website, turquoiseband.com. That's T-U-R-K-U-A-Z band.com and all the usual socials and streaming platforms and you can find out more about adrian at adrianbelew.net that's a-d-r-i-a-n-b-e-l-e-w.net and he's also very prolific on his facebook page please like comment and most of all share this podcast i'd really appreciate it and please support vintage guitar magazine and all the wonderful things they do for us guitar players because they do so many wonderful things for us guitar players here's dave and adrian Hey, how's it going? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, good. Can you hear me? Oh, yeah, just fine. Where are you located? I'm north of San Francisco. Actually, you guys played Bottle Rock in... Uh, oh, yeah. And I live in that town that you played in. Is that in Napa? That is in Napa. Yeah. <laughs> Napa, California. Beautiful up there. Yeah. Hey, how do you pronounce the name of your band? Turquoise. Turquoise, okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Turquoise. And, and and my last my last name is Brandwine Dave Brandwine. Thank you. When did you put the band together? Like we started the band. <laughs> Taylor and I. Taylor's a bass player. He and I founded the band together um, back when we went to school in Boston at Berkeley College of Music. Sure, um, I went there as well. So Oh, cool. Decades before you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was our breeding ground. Uh, And, you know, we had a we had a good experience there. You know, for the last couple of years, we really started spending most of our time at home at our home studio. We had kind of a light class load. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think we really started to hone in on what we wanted to do. Sure. Um, Did you graduate? We had a few different projects. I did, yeah. I'm a rare. Yes, you're the like, rare breed. Unicorn. <laughs> for graduating, uh, I think Taylor did too. Might have taken him a little longer, but I think he did too. Um, but yeah, we just like had a few projects going, and we realized that whenever we were making music for fun uh, or playing music for fun, it was always you know high energy funk or or 
sort of celebratory feel music and uh-huh. groove oriented music. Yeah. And around that time, he introduced me to Talking Heads. I, I knew Talking Heads, um, like a lot of the records, the studio versions and stuff like that, but I wasn't really hip to the whole live band thing where they had this huge ensemble, you know, everywhere from 1980 through yeah. Stop Making Sense later in 84. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in, in college, Taylor showed me that and we were listening to a lot of Sly and James Brown. And, sure all that stuff kind of mashed up together and we figured out what we wanted to do. And then um, we moved to New York about a year later and played a couple years just in New York, really like, again, like still working out our lineup and still yeah. kind of like learning how to play shows with that style of band. Yeah. Um, and after and New York's a great place to do that because, you know, we were competing with the best musicians around like sure. every night you know sure. <laughs> um and we so many bands and we we needed ways to stick out and pop out and like i think we we were forced to figure that out in new york and then around 2012 we started touring uh-huh. full-time yeah like really really full <laughs> and and you're obviously yeah. the leader of the band yeah i'm the <laughs> i'm i'm dubbed the band leader that's correct <laughs> And how many members do you have currently in the band? Fun job. <laughs> difficult one sometimes. But. Yeah. How many members do you have currently in your band? We have nine. We've had nine people, the same awesome nine people for uh-huh. um, quite a while now. Like very, uh, I think a year and a half or so after we we started touring full time, the, the um, Shira joined and we've been the same nine people ever since. Wow. Since like 2014. How, so, and how how yeah. is it how is it hurting those cats? <laughs> I mean, look, man, they have to herd me just as much sometimes. You okay. know, it's like just it just depends. And like, but but no, it's it's. I I think it's good. Like everybody over years of traveling together, performing together, um, everyone has sort of like learned, you know. A different role and like there's things that are my like not my strengths that are other people's strengths and sure. i'm very happy to have them pick up those things so we've formed like a little you know family and we're also this sort of like machine that's learned let's learn to work together out of out of necessity and luckily we're all friends too and that helps <laughs> but uh but no it's a lot i mean honestly people used to people used to say like back in those college days or shortly after in New York, you know, wow, that must be so hard to have such a big band. And, you know, truthfully at the time, before there were a lot of logistics involved, like it wasn't really that hard. We were, everyone was, you know, really young and not too worried about, you know, like we, we didn't have any, we didn't do any business. We didn't have any, uh, we didn't make any money, but like no one cared back then, you know? And it's like, as time goes on, the, the, the challenge of having so many people, unfolds a little bit and i mean it's but but really still we we've had we've had a really good experience with it and it has kept growing and growing up until the pandemic of course which has just been really hard for yeah everybody just kind of put a pause and it put a lot of things in question so we're just we're we're so excited to be doing these shows um yeah with jerry and adrian and we feel like this is we're so thankful that we have this in the midst of what otherwise is you know yeah. a really unsure time for live music because this is a pretty sure thing you know yeah <laughs> and it's and it's what we've i mean 
when we again when we started this up that was such a huge part of what we were going for and so and watching like the 1980 rome video and then like now to be playing those songs and i look over and there's adrian and he's doing the solo it's just yeah. like man what, what the hell is going on here this is crazy. <laughs> <That's so bad>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the yeah. before before i get into to you know adrian and jerry um before the pandemic, were you guys are is was this is this everybody's primary employment or does or is everybody yeah really absolutely yeah absolutely I mean people have other gigs and stuff because like I mean we used to do you know 170, 180 shows a year wow we've we've that's what I meant by touring full time you know twenty twelve up until really like the last few years we trimmed it down a little bit just to be more selective we were playing bigger shows so we could be more selective with them and try to carve out more things like that uh-huh. but no we we were just absolutely hitting it hard for a very long time and then yeah we still were right before the pandemic um it was still everybody's everybody's main gig uh-huh. um which, right you know that's not not every not every nine piece band can say that you know <laughs> yeah. and and your tours are most i mean was napa napa was probably a one off for you for like a fly date it was a fly day, but it actually ended a month long tour. Okay. So we were, we were on a bus continuously the whole tour. Uh-huh. We were in Nashville uh-huh. for Bonnaroo before. Oh, right on. Before we knew it was canceled, we were rehearsing and recording mm-hmm. in Nashville, which was still fun. It was just obviously, sure. you know, pretty huge bummer to not have uh, Bonnaroo at the end of that, that yeah. week. That we yeah. um, but then we flew to Bottle Rock, which was. After, you know, after a long tour on a bus and driving through mountains and, you know, out in the sort of climate that we're in right now, yeah. uh, it was pretty amazing to end it with Bottle, Bottle Rock is such a nice, uh, you know, well-run and pretty swanky festival for <laughs> yeah. a nice way for us to close out in style and in a bit of luxury. So it was really great that Good. way that would yeah, I'm glad to hear before. that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the and and the, but most of your tours are you are you focused i shouldn't say focused but are you your tours are mostly east coast no um no you spend a lot of time everywhere on- <laughs> really we do we do spend a lot of the, i mean our upcoming shows we we uh are are all northeast shows um in the next month and but this last tour, there were no Northeast shows. It was like all through the mountains, like Idaho, Montana, okay. um, Wyoming, Colorado, Utah, and then we did like Texas, and then went over to, uh, in the hopes of doing in Bonnaroo before we hit Bottle Rock. So yeah, that was that was a different tour. I mean, we've started doing international stuff. We played Canada. We actually played Japan and Australia right really before right the on. pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we went to we played the Blue Note in Tokyo. We wow, did four shows there, yeah. two nights. That was man, that was a trip. Like, you know, these these really uh, seem to me to be like career defining, or you know, you can call them like bucket list moments. Have really happened in close succession, other than you know the pa- pandemic being kind of stuck in the middle. But yeah. playing playing at the Blue Note in Tokyo was pretty incredible. Sure. Um, and then coming right off of that, we were starting like, uh, rehearsals with and meeting with Jerry and Adrian to uh-huh. do this whole thing. So that was a pretty, 
we were flying pretty high on cloud nine, uh, you know, right up until right up until the pandemic hit. I mean, and even then I still had, I was like, oh, you know, it's going to be a couple months. That's we'll what I thought. Well, actually, I thought it was going to be a couple weeks. <laughs> a couple, right. Well, at first I thought a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months. But that was right when we were going to do this full Remain in, like the Remain in Light tour was booked a little bit more like in close the shows were in close succession with each other Uh um because of the nature of how many things had to reschedule and for all these different times of the year they've ended up being really staggered now which means it'll just stretch out for a while i mean the good news is i think we're looking to to keep this going i mean we're having so much fun doing it and we're always going to have our have our own turquoise shows in between Uh and keep doing our own thing and we've been working on um some out some records and stuff like that yeah um so that's gonna always continue but i think i think uh for the time being we you know we definitely also want to keep this going too we're just having such a blast with it yeah yeah Uh, and and so i guess this is a good time as any to ask you how did you hook up with adrian adrian blue that is (laughs) yeah yeah so um back in 2017 uh, Jerry came out to New York and we had, uh, someone who works, uh, with our, he's kind of like a senior manager. His name is Brad, uh, over at red light he works with our manager, Jason. He said, man, it would really be cool for you guys to like be produced by somebody else. You know, cause I usually do all the, all the records and, at the time, even I think I was saying, man, I really could use some outside perspective on a couple of these singles we're doing here. Yeah. And he recommended, he's like, you know, Jerry produces band and fit. You guys always cite talking heads as such a reference. And uh-huh. so he ended up getting, getting us in touch with each other. Jerry came to New York and then we went out to dinner or something. We had, we hit it off. We had a great time and he ended up producing two songs for us that okay. year. Okay. Um, so, so we had worked with him in the studio he sat in with us shortly thereafter at the Fillmore, and then we just kept in touch, like consulted him a little while we were making our concert film. And and so, you know, but I thought it was like, that was cool. We worked with Jerry, you know, yeah. that's a cool thing that happened, and now it's on to the next thing. And I never really thought anything would come around again. And lo and behold, when uh, 2019 hit and 2020 was approaching, um, he said, hey, I have this idea to do 40th anniversary remain in light tour um and i really want to get adrian involved and i'd love for you guys to be the band and we're like okay yeah that sounds pretty good (laughs) we'll see if we can make time in our schedule for that uh we'll get back to you no we 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 jumped at it obviously and then i think adrian had maybe been planning to do a similar thing and and jerry um talked with him our agent we actually share the same booking agent with adrian too okay so that helped and through some conversations he came to our Nashville show right when we got back from Japan. Uh-huh. Basically, he came, Jerry and him both, and watched the show. And he was like, "Yeah, this will work." And we had a, we had a rehearsal right after, and uh-huh. and then that was it. Um, so yeah, kind of just like one thing led to another, and it kind of fell into place in this beautiful serendipitous way. Um, and yeah, I I mean I could you know. I couldn't believe, again, I, I thought that, okay, we worked with Jerry. That was kind of like a one-off thing. I never thought we'd be doing something in live context and certainly not with, with Adrian, who I, you know, I obviously I never met, met him before that. Uh-huh. Um, 
Well, he's somebody that we've admired for a long time, you know. Yeah. Um, from a guitar playing standpoint, I mean, there's just nobody. No. Nobody else like him. Yeah. Nobody sounds like him, you know. No one ever will. Nobody ever has, and nobody ever will sound like yeah. Adrian Blue, other than Adrian Blue. Well, exactly. One of the rare people that's worked with David Bowie and King Crimson, and just I, Frank Zappa, uh, Nine Inch Nails, Cindy Lauper on her freaking their her probably her best record. Really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Tom Tom Club, Talking Heads. I yeah. mean, it's quite a. It's quite a resume. And then, I mean, his own music, you know, like, I mean, both the stuff he wrote and did with King Crimson and then his solo work as well. is yeah. just, I mean, the amount of, yeah, the amount of things that Adrian has done. Incredible. Um, is just, is just pretty staggering. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that, and Jerry just as well. Absolutely. I mean, you know, Jerry played both keys and guitar in especially that era of, of talking head stuff and you know those the way that those parts are crafted you know really again shaped shaped how we look at arranging songs and and it's just such a huge part of it and and in in speaking with him early on when he was producing for us you know stop making sense was was a really really big part of our blueprint and to be able to talk with jerry about like the way that they actually did all that stuff and sure. um some of just the amazing tidbits that you get the stories of like how, you know, all the, those keyboards, like with the patches, you needed floppy disks uh, to load each patch and it would take like, you know, over a minute to load. So you're like finding these creative ways to, you know, make different intros to songs just so that you can actually load the keyboard patch. you know, <laughs> um, And just some of the, the technology that they used when they were, when they were mixing that, record was like brand new yeah some like digital tape systems that they were using and stuff like that sure um, and so to be able to ask questions to jerry about that and to both jerry and adrian about the making of yeah. remain in light has just been like pr- pretty insane you know it's like these are things that when you I, when you're growing up listening to this stuff you 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 think all right this is probably just going to be a mystery unless i can find some really specific interview on this but then you get the chance to ask the exact question that you want to ask. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're good with the answers. Like usually, usually an an- any answer to a question that I have will turn into a, an amazing story with like a, that weaves through all these different, you know, yeah. other amazing musicians and bands and things that were happening. So, I mean, it's just an educational experience for us, you know? Yeah, yeah for sure. For sure. Playing, probably playing at CBGB's when it was like, you know, against the Ramones and everybody else. Absolutely. I mean, like th- that, that whole, I mean, and for them to come out of that scene and that era and do what they ended up doing, like in terms of, I mean, you know, we, we call what we do as Turquoise mostly funk. I mean, it's inspired by a lot of different things, but you know, it's when when I watch when I first saw uh you know this this whole era of the band, I mean, there's a lot of funk in there, you know. It really went a long oh, yeah. way from CBGB's days into like groove based like funk music. I mean, it's got a lot of other things going on too. Um sure. but that's one of them. 
It's in there. Yeah. Hey, guys. Plunk is in there. Hey, Adrian. <laughs> I was just sitting here working out, try, trying to work out a song and, and noticed that you it, this came up. So I'm sorry. <laughs> like... <laughs> Honestly, I was doing the same thing, Adrian. I was sitting working on like working on this song and Pro Tools. And uh, I guess my my calendar remind I need I need a person to actually call and remind me. Apparently, the calendar reminder. Yeah, so I think we should have that. Me too. Um, <laughs> well, it's nice I to- was working on trying to figure out how I did this song on my third solo record called uh, Desire Caught by the Tail, how I did the first song called Tango Zebra. And I'll be damned, it's so damn complicated, I can't even play it anymore. <laughs> Transcribing yourself. <laughs> yeah, it's in a, it's it's weird. It's a, it's a very hard one. I I it just proves to me that I'm not, you know, 26 anymore. <laughs> Uh, what kind of gear are you using, Adrian, on this on the, with when you're playing with Turquoise? Well, I'm I've gone back to reverted back to using Stratocasters Other than and the uh, you Defender. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the Parker Flies are MIDI guitars, and I wanted to make my setup much uh, simpler, uh, less prone to you know having any problems at all. Uh-huh. So I went back to a more I'm basically playing uh, a Stratocaster through an Axe Effects. That's basically okay. what I'm doing. Uh-huh. What what kind of is it? A, any particular Strat that you're using? Yeah, it's a brand new custom Strat that they built for me in the last year. Very there are good. two of them they built for me. Uh, what's custom about them? It pretty much is everything. But they look like a. They just look like a Strat. Of course, they yeah. still are. <laughs> but they basically have a, a Sustainiac in them. Okay. And um, the neck is a little closer to what I'm used to, and they have uh, Spurzel tuners, and oh, wow. uh, and they have a really great new tremolo arm that's out, made in Spain, called the Vega Trim, huh. and um, and that I think that's really wonderful tremolo. Yeah, that's <laughs> very nice, very nice. So they stay perfectly in tune, uh-huh. and I can still do all my all crazy abuse of this tremolo. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Dave has explained it to me, but but can you give me your uh, your story of how you ended up playing using Turquoise as your as your band for the? Well, for yeah, the- you know, Jerry and I had talked about uh, wanting to do something like the live in Rome uh, YouTube of Talking Heads in 1980 with the extended band. We talked about it for a couple of years, and um, then he produced Turquoise, uh-huh. and that seemed. Like all of a sudden, that it re-energized the idea because he said this is a band that really could do this. We could just you and I could just basically join up with this band. They sound a lot like Talking Heads, and so I said, "Well, okay, let me kind of check it out." And then, not long after, they played in Nashville, which is where I live. Okay. So Jerry flew in from San Francisco, and. Um, we went down to see them at the exit in and they played about three songs in to their set. And I turned to Jerry and said, yeah, you're right. This is perfect. Let's do this. <laughs> That's great. And Dave, I should ask you, what kind of gear are you using when you're, when you're out playing? So I play a Gibson Firebird, but it has been, uh, it's been, it's been customized um, by our tour manager and luthier slash guitar tech, um, Nesto, he he, um, 
he did a whole bunch of work on it and it's painted turquoise. It has our logo on it. There's strap pickup in there. Okay. Um, and probably a few other things he did that I don't fully understand. Um, <laughs> but it sounds awesome. And I'm going through an also turquoise um, third power okay. guitar amp. Um, it's a boutique company out of Nashville, actually. Sure. Um, really, 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 really amazing. Um, and it's it's the um, the kitchen sink. Uh-huh. And it basically combines it's it's all analog and it combines um, Vox, Fender, and Marshall like style circuitry into okay. one amp. And like you can blend the Vox and the Fender side. You can like adjust a blend knob on those, and then the Marshall is kind of like the gain channel. Okay. Um, but also, Dave, yeah. Dave, you got to tell like this is Vintage Guitar Magazine. You got to tell him about the the wonderful Hagstrom that you play. That's right. Oh yeah, you know what? That's right. In this show, I don't play the turquoise firebird. I, <laughs> no, I was going to say you never have picked it up. <laughs> yeah, you're like, what the hell are you talking about, man? Uh, no, that's what I play at our normal show. That's right. In in Remain in Light, I'm playing. Uh, it was some a lot of the time a 1976 Fender Coronado two. Okay. With uh, the Danny Part or the Keith Partridge guitar. Yeah, and it's got a Bigsby, and it's got Gretsch pickups in it. That okay. thing's really awesome. And then I use this ha- this black and white, funny little Hagstrom guitar um, from the '60s. I know it's like a Swedish company from the '60s, exactly. and I I mean I bought bought it for a few hundred bucks at one point, and it's kind of been this little like toy guitar I've had in the studio. And then I pulled it out for this for this show because it matched the color scheme we were doing, and I thought it sounded really cool. And then Adrian, yeah, Adrian. Was was very uh, impressed that I pulled out the Hagstrom. That's, uh, Let's rare. just put it this way: it's the guitar I covet, and if you ever want to sell it, <laughs> you got my number. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it would be, it's, it would it's be a really cool honor. guitar. I like it. And the it, first teen band I ever had, the bass player had a uh, a blue uh, Hagstrom bass, so I have an affection for those instruments right on <laughs> i love that you covet the like 300 dollars guitar <laughs> it's right in my price range <laughs> <laughs> and uh, adrian how many guitars do you have in your collection currently or do you have a collection even oh 50 or 60 i don't know maybe more but you know i don't really think of it as a collection um it's just an accumulation. Okay. <laughs> I didn't set out to collect anything. In fact, I think I probably only have one authentic, real vintage guitar, which I bought many years ago from Freedom Guitars in California, and it's a 1962 uh, Gretsch. Okay. And it's it's in perfect shape. It looks like it just came right out of the box. So, but I, you know, most of the guitars that I have are things that are customized for me over the years or were given to me by different manufacturers. And it seems like kind of everyone over time has given me something. So, you know, I've got a, a nice, a nice menagerie. I do have a couple of oddball guitars, um, that I bought two Italian guitars and one sixties Japanese guitar. And they're kind of quirky. I like those. (laughs) Very, very the Italian cool. guitars, I can't even tell you the name. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And and as far as amplifiers, do you uh, are do you mostly just use XFX even when you're uh, you know like recording and stuff, or do you, you do you use uh, old school amps as well? 
I do have some old school amps. Um, I do live. I use the Axis going direct into um, on stage, you know, full range monitors. Uh -huh. So I don't carry any amps anymore. But yeah, you're right on. You know, when I'm when I'm um, recording and I just finished recording a, a brand new solo record. So I'll, I'll, I'm likely to pull out anything. I've got a, you know, a little bit of everything. Um, I, I've, my favorite thing that I used on this new record, though, were these kind of practice amps that uh, Boss made. They're called MG, MG10, something, something like that. MG10, I think. And I have two of them. They have two five-inch speakers in them, both oh, wow. of them. So I ran them in stereo, and it's amazing. They really sound so great. What they what they do really is essentially they get rid of all the stuff that you you end up dumping when you're EQing the guitar anyway. Okay. <laughs> you know, it, it, they're they're all high end and mid. <laughs> There's no low end whatsoever. Wow. Yeah. Sorry. When you did the tour in in 1980, what were you using then? I was using a, a JC120, which I still have. Okay. I still have the original one I used, and eventually I, I used two of them, but that wasn't with the heads. That was later with Ken Crimson. Okay. <laughs> Very good. That, and what, Yeah, what for years and years. I mean, I, I was the poster boy for uh, JC120 for years and years. I mean, no kidding. I probably sold a lot of those. <laughs> I, think you, I think you actually did. <laughs> And, well, and, Roland was very, and Roland was very, very good about it. Very nice. They gave me a sensational deal on anything that I wanted of theirs for many years. Very good. You set a good example for people by buying by having two of them. That really up the sales as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a lot of chords. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And what were it's you using mush after a while? <laughs> what were you using for guitar back then? Back then, I had um, what I still have on my wall, my number one guitar. I had a, a battered old Strat. Well, we battered it, we being me and Seymour Duncan. <laughs> we took it out in, in his yard one day and, and tortured the darn thing to death. But uh, <laughs> I mean, it looks like it had been played for a million years. But uh, that's what I played for, let's see, for the European tour with Frank Zappa and then all of the first david bowie world tour and then all of the talking head stuff and then the first couple of records for king crimson and my first solo record okay. then i switched over to some custom made mustangs with uh interesting paint jobs <laughs> and, and they and they had those were the first guitars that were equipped with roland guitar synthesizer pickups so okay. they they became my first kind of midi guitars i guess yeah yeah the Roland guitar synthesizer pickups. Did you were you developing those? Did you have a hand in developing those? I did not. Um, when I was with Frank, I, I asked Roland to um, bring over their guitar synthesizer because I thought you know maybe Frank would really like it, and uh -huh. um, you know I wanted to check it out. But it was a behemoth at that moment. I mean, <laughs> it was you know it was a guitar. You had to buy a special guitar which had a big, long umbilical cord over to something that looked like a keyboard on a stand. Uh -huh. So, and, and rightly so, Frank said, his comment was, well, this is a different instrument, and I'd have to take a lot of time out to understand it. And, and uh, so he, he wasn't interested. Therefore, uh, neither of us got one. But then 
with David Bowie when I went to um, Japan the, the first time, uh, they were just coming out with the, the uh, GR300, which was the first real usable one. And so when I went back the following year with Talking Heads, they, they had it ready to go then and they gave me one. I probably had the first one anyone of most anyone in the United States, unless you had just gone to Japan when it, it came out, you wouldn't have had one yet. Yeah. Was there latency with it with it at all? There was, but I didn't care. I worked around <laughs> that. I you know, I'm not I wasn't trying to singe anybody with fat my fast guitar playing. Okay. I uh I, I love the sounds of it though. It was really nice. But my favorite one was later was the GR seven hundred and that one Boy, it really had some latency issues, but wild sounds, I'll tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. And and uh, not to get too far away from Turquoise, but how uh, how often Please, did you play with David me. Bowie? The first time I played with David for a year and a half, 1978 and 79, we oh. did a world tour that went all over. And then the second time was 1990, and we did even a longer tour that lasted for... That was Shadows um, of Light, right? No, no, that was uh, Sound and Vision. Oh, Sound and Vision, that's right. That's right. Yeah, 1990, went to, to 27 countries and uh, 108 shows, and yeah. life-changing tour, really. It, it changed everything for me. So, And I was the music director for that tour, and it was a much bigger tour i mean we had a 56 man crew uh-huh. with uh, we had a 12 million dollar stage it took them two days to to build it <laughs> that's right i i built it in uh oakland and sacramento and shoreline amphitheater in san wherever san carlos or someplace like that you did really yeah i was a stagehand back then <laughs> wow how about that well, you know, I loved that stage for a number of reasons. First of all, it was perfectly flat. It was big 60 by 60 or something like that. It was a grid. And so my pedal board was was sunk into the floor. So you couldn't even tell there was a pedal board there. Yeah. That was kind of cool. But the other thing I liked about it was it took them two days to build the the stage. So wherever we went, you know, if, you if we were off. in Spain, we had two days <laughs> off. Yeah. <laughs> Right on. <laughs> Before we play, <laughs> let's back to Turquoise. How long is this is this is this tour going to last? How and I know Turquoise has their own dates apart from the dates with with you and Jerry. But how long is this going to go on? We actually have just one more show this year, and it's the Halloween Fest uh, on Halloween in uh, Live Oaks, Florida. But uh, I was just receiving the other day, Dave, I don't know if you got any of this, but I, I got a long memo from our booking agent about uh, possible shows for next year. I'm really excited about right seeing how much of that we can do. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's kind of like I, I was saying before, Adrian, how originally this was slated to be kind of like a bunch of these shows in a row, more like a continuous tour. But because of the nature of how things panned out after the pandemic, they got you know, things were rescheduled and they got split up a bit uh, over a longer period of time. So I think because of that, we're just going to kind of keep it going until till, uh, till Adrian gets sick of us, till Adrian and Jerry get sick of us. <laughs> well, that's, that's not going to happen. I, I love this band. I really do enjoy what we're doing. Uh, but what does happen with festivals, as you know, is they're, they're not like a normal tour where you're going from city to city every day because yeah. festivals don't line up that way. No. 
So what happens is you have a festival and then maybe the next one is, you know, 10 days or two weeks later, and then maybe there's two in a row or something. So it's, it, it breaks up the, the year a lot. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying, my, my aim is to try to put it all in, in sections so I can do other things. Too. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll work that out later. It's, you know, that's why the memo. <laughs> yeah. And it, it must be a challenge for, for the booking agent to find shows for turquoise in between because i'm assuming that you guys play from from whatever festival town to whatever festival town in between yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean it's going to be a challenge for him to find me gigs in between. <laughs> 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 oh man i mean yeah it's just it's also i mean most of the festival stuff that we've been doing has been has been remain in light which is great i mean i think that's great. Although it would be fun for us to do some club dates at, with Remaining Light, um, but so far we've been treating it like most of our club dates are turquoise and the festivals uh-huh. are. No, I mean you know we're used to playing all the time and, and touring all the time, but it is I do sometimes wish that these were more continuous because it feels like right when we start to get into a rhythm, sure, uh, you know we have we'll have some long break, but you know such as uh, post COVID. Uh, touring life so yeah. well you know i was just talking in another interview about um about um how the touring is next year i think that's going to be the explosion of touring for everyone because everyone is going to want to go and play next year yeah and all the gigs every possible gig that's out there is going to be taken by everybody who can take it so you know i'll be i'll be curious to see yeah. You know, how much how much we get to do and how much something else is and how much this is. And uh, I need to do some touring of my own because I've got a brand new record I'm dying to release. And I can't do that until we get out and play some dates. Yeah. Do you have uh, do you but, have any solo dates book for now or for uh, for? I just have one thing, which is the cruise, the, the uh, cruise to the edge that I've done a couple times before. Okay. And that was booked a year, two, two or three years ago. It was supposed to happen, yeah. uh, I guess last year. So, <laughs> All right, and you have any so, ap- apprehension of getting on a cruise ship? <laughs> um, me? Yeah. I, I always have, I don't swim. I'm, I have, I have <laughs> one fear in my life, one fear. And that is being in water over my head because I, someone threw me in the pool when I was a little boy uh-huh. and it traumatized me. So, you know, yeah, when I get out on the on a cruise ship and I, I look around and there's nothing but water for as far as I can see, <laughs> I kind of close my eyes and go, what the hell am I doing here? Yeah. And that, it's and kind of spooky. The Petri dish aspects of it, that doesn't bother you? <laughs> well, I did get sick on the last one. Did you yeah. really? Oh, I did, yeah. As soon as I got on the boat, you know, I'm there for like an hour and a half before before there's anything happening and i'm just walking around and everybody knows me and because it's a prog you know it's a boat of 20 prog rock bands sure and everybody's you know shaking my hand and stuff and you know blah 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 well that night i went back to the room with my wife and uh, i said man i'm not i'm not feeling good maybe that that food wasn't so good or something and man i just went I went down for the count for three days. I was so, so sick. Yeah. And fortunately, we only had two shows to play in the in the cruise week. Uh-huh. You play twice. You play one hour at a, each time, and you play in two different places. 
And my show on the main stage was not till the third night at 10 mm -hmm. o'clock. Wow. And by then, I was almost able to walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you, it was unbelievable. I thought the whole time I was playing, I thought, Ben, I'm just going to fall off the stage and faint and throw up on somebody any second here. <laughs> <laughs> And I should ask, so, so Adrian, I'll start with you. How do people follow you or find you? Where you, where do they, where's all your information at? Well, you can go to adrianblue.net, but it's a little outdated right now. That is my website, but you'll find out some things there. We're uh -huh. going to update it soon. I think the better place to go right now is to follow me on uh, my Facebook page. Okay. Um, and there's two of them. So if you go to one and there's not much activity, go to the, go to the other one. The other one has like 140,000 viewers. And I've been every day now for the last week, I've been going through my solo records in chronological order uh -huh. and talking about all the fine points, all the trivial things, information wow. that you don't know. Okay, so a lot of people are really enjoying that. In fact, talking about that, that guitar, the... Uh, the guitar we were talking about, the painted one, that, yeah. that was yesterday's subject matter. <laughs> okay, great. Fantastic. Fantastic. And, and David, you, where do people find out about Turquoise or, or anything that you're doing? Uh, the biggest thing is just is getting the spelling, which is T-U-R-K-U-A-Z. Okay. Uh, and you can find us at turquoiseband.com. You can look up Turquoise on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, YouTube. Yep. Um, Twitter. I don't know. What are the other? <laughs> what are the other? Uh, ones? TikTok. Friendster. <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> no, but but yeah, pretty much pretty much anywhere that you can find music or um, and, you know, and find us on social media. We always keep people up to date with with what we're doing. So yeah, just find us on there. T u r k u a z. Okay, great. Really, I'm on. I think I'm on all that stuff too. And if you googled me, you'd find it all. But the only thing I'm personally very active in is my Facebook page because I really enjoy comments and then commenting back. I, I like I like to engage the audience. Um, and, and I can't do you know you can't take out your whole day to do that. So <laughs> yeah, and if I if I could, I would do more. But you know, it takes up enough time of mine to do the Facebook page, and I enjoy it. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. And and if there are going to be more additional Remain in Light uh, tour dates, are is there? I know they're going to be on the Turquoise tour page, but is there any other place that they're going to show up? Well, they're going to show up on my Facebook page, as okay. I just said. That's okay, for good. sure. Okay, good. yeah, they'll always, they'll be on all of our all of our various pages. Um, yeah, and you know wherever people normally get tickets and obviously all the venues have, have it all listed. And so we'll, and we have, we do press releases for all of it. So great. We'll be getting the word out. Excellent. That's great news. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate both of your time. I, it means a lot to me and uh, it's, it was wonderful speaking with both of you. Yeah. Great to talk to you. I can't believe that you uh, helped on that boy tour. That's pretty amazing. Well, yeah. <laughs> that was a long time ago. <laughs> Yeah, sure was. But, but it was fun. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you very much. My Talk pleasure. to you later. Yes, yes. Yeah. Thank you guys very much. All right. Thank bye -bye. you. Okay, Appreciate bye -bye. it. 
Thanks for listening to How Guitar Will Travel. You can catch up on all the things I'm doing at thedeadlies.com. And I'm on all the social media platforms as well. And please support Vintage Guitar and all the wonderful things they do because they do many, many wonderful things for us guitar players. Thanks. Please subscribe. Please tell a friend. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>